What's up, Cedar Creek? Good to see all of y'all. Thank you so much for being here. In just a moment, I'm going to be turning it back over to our campus pastors to bring a week two message from our REACH series. But before we do that, I just wanted to take a moment to, for us as a church, all of our campuses, to celebrate and say thank you to some very special people. To say that Kay and Charlie Stanley are part of the core of Cedar Creek Church is a huge understatement. Cedar Creek Church next Sunday will celebrate its 25th birthday. But more than 25 years ago, Kay and Charlie stepped out with their family. They took a risk. They got out of their comfort zone and chose to be a part of the founding members of a brand new church, a different kind of church, a church for unchurched people, starting right here in their community. And they have been a part, an amazing part of Cedar Creek Church. They were one of the six couples who were part of the first Cedar Creek Church home group meeting in our founding pastor's living room before the church even started. And then they branched out and started a home group that they led for years. Uh, Charlie actually built this very building that I'm standing in here at our Banks Mill campus. And Kay was the very first staff member hired at Cedar Creek Church. And so she's been serving faithfully for 25 years. She is the longest serving staff member in the history of Cedar Creek Church. And she shared with me about a month ago that she is going to be retiring at the end of this month. And I did not want to let that moment pass without allowing you to say thank you to this amazing woman, her amazing husband. So would you please say thank you to Kay and Charlie Stanley. Well, thank you. We, we are absolutely blessed and continue to be blessed by your faithfulness. You know, and I was just thinking about that, what it must have been like as a family. You were in a well-established church. God was doing all kinds of great things there. But for y'all to take that risk, to get out of your comfort zone and be a part of a church that was so different, a church that didn't even exist, and, and for you to take a job Working at a church that didn't even have a building or hadn't even started public worship was truly a huge step of faith. And I just want y'all to know, God has used both of you in amazing ways. You both have wonderful gifts and talents, and we as a church are blessed by the legacy, the sacrificial legacy of being a part of the mission and vision of this church and you know a lot has changed you've seen more change than probably anybody but as you well know the heart of this church remains the same and that's because of the foundation that you guys laid and I just want to say personally on behalf of Terry and I and our family thank you for welcoming us into this community 19 years ago 
We moved here with our five children. We were outsiders. We were outsiders of the church, outsiders of the community. And y'all were the very first people that reached out and made us feel like we belonged here. And I will never be able to say thank you. Charlie has threatened if I make him cry, he's going to cut me. So <laughs> I better get on with it. So she brought us pizza and a paycheck the very first day we got here. So, but anyway, we just have a small token of our appreciation. And so on behalf of the Cedar Creek Church family and for 25 years of incredibly faithful service, we want to give to you two an all-expense-paid cruise to anywhere in the world you want to go. So, You guys deserve it. And I'm, I'm going to pray for you guys. And uh, we're going to be hosting a reception right back here at the OG campus, Banks Mill, at 4 o'clock today. So I hope you'll join us and you'll have an opportunity to personally thank these amazing folks. So let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you so much for Kay and Charlie and their family. Lord, I thank you for the legacy of faithfulness. For these two incredible people who never stand on the stage, never stand in the spotlight, but faithfully serve you behind the scenes. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them in this new stage of life. Lord, that you would continue to just meet them right where they are. We thank you, Lord, that even though Kay is retiring, they will always continue to be the heartbeat of Cedar Creek Church. So, Lord, bless them. Bless their family. And thank you for the blessing they are to Cedar Creek Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, I'm always so grateful for the people that have come before us. And I think about Kay and Charlie and their families and the price that they did pay to get us to where we are today. And how do you ever say thank you to a family like that that's paid a price, that's taken a chance, that's taken a risk to do what they do? And so it's an honor to be able to honor them today because they have been such a blessing to our church. So um, while we will miss her, but understand, and I'm sure she will have a wonderful retirement. But anyway, I am so glad that you are here today. I'm Danny Wilson, the campus pastor here at our Banks Mill location, and I'm just pumped up about what God has laid on my heart. Pastor Phillips given the campus pastors an opportunity to share about today. So in just a minute, I'm going to dive into that, just in case this is your first week with us. Uh, we're in a series called Reach, and I love this series because a lot of times we think we have to be preachers in order to talk about, in order to share Jesus. And no, you don't have to be a preacher, you just need to be a reacher. And this is cool because all of us that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're called to reach people. It's not about a title, it's not about a church, any of that. It's about individuals who are living for Jesus Christ and reaching other people that need Jesus Christ. And that's a call to all of us that we get out of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. So today this message is going to apply to everybody. This series is going to apply to everybody. 
If you were here last week, you know Pastor Philip started off talking about exactly what a reacher was and kind of looked at some characteristics of a, of a reacher. If you missed it, be sure you go to the website. You can find more information, the messages there, and you can catch up with us. But today, one of the things I want to do is really talk about some steps to how we become a reacher and to really apply that to your lives and especially apply it by using the story that God has given you. Because each of us that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, we all have a story. And so today, I'm going to lean in on that story some, and I'm going to let you see from a, from a passage in Scripture how Jesus did this and how he was a reacher. But that's going to be our focus as we go through today. And as we start, I, I just want to ask you real quickly to think about what is one of the hardest things to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's probably a number of answers to that, but probably one of the core things for many of us is this. How do I share Jesus? I know he's commanded me to do it in Scripture, but that is scary when I have to talk to somebody else about Jesus Christ. And here's the crazy thing. Why is it hard for us? I mean, we're talking to somebody about hope, about forgiveness, about love, about a direction in your life. So why in the world is that so hard for us? And when I thought about that question, I couldn't help but think about just a few things that come to mind. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've been taught that there's a formal plan you have to go through to talk to somebody about Jesus. And there's a, a point one in some scripture you've got to share, and there's a point th two in some scripture you share, and, and a point three, and you think, I don't know if I can do that. That's too hard to memorize all that and to learn that. What if I get it out of order? Some of you this morning may have been in a church that um, had a visitation program and you went door to door sometimes and just knocking randomly on strangers' door and they open the door, you start following this plan of things to ask them and you have no idea who they are. When I thought about that, I thought back to many years ago in seminary, living down in New Orleans and I had to take a class called personal evangelism. And one of the things that we had to do for a semester in that class is we were paired up with a local church, and every Tuesday afternoon, we would go, me and two other buddies, we would go to this church, and basically that's what we did. We were supposed to go door to door and witness. Now, I have to tell you this, I absolutely hated Tuesdays, and here I am, a guy in the ministry. But I hated it because most people looked at you like you were a Martian when you knocked on their door, if they even answered their door. And usually the door stayed closed and they would never, or the, at least the glass door would stay closed and they never wanted to engage you in a conversation. I don't know how many hundreds of doors that we knocked on, but never, not one time did someone surrender their heart to Jesus Christ. Most of the time we couldn't even get to this set of questions that we were supposed to ask them. And even then I started thinking, something's messed up about this model. So I think one of the reasons it can be hard to, to share Jesus if we've been taught there's a certain way, a formal way you've got to do it, or you think I've got to go door to door. A lot of us today, if we're honest, we think, how do I share Jesus? My life's not in order. Somebody's going to call me out on that. So how in the world am I supposed to talk to somebody else about a relationship with Jesus when they may call me out about something in my life and my life's not in order? Or maybe today you're just scared they're going to ask you something you don't know the answer to. But the reality is, we get scared when it comes to talking about people, talking to people about Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to realize today. God didn't make it hard. God actually made it just in a natural flow of the rhythm of life. He wants us to share Jesus. And what do I mean by that? He wants you to share Jesus just in your relationships. The people you know. Yeah, he may call you to randomly pick somebody and talk to about Jesus, or he may randomly convict you to just out of the blue talk to somebody. 
But most of the time, he just wants you to do that in the natural rhythm of life, just in the relationships that you're in today. And so that's what we're going to talk about. How do we do that? I want to give you some tips on how you can share Jesus. And as we get started, I'm going to be in John chapter 4. And what I want to do real quickly is give you about a 50,000-foot overview of this, and we're going to pick part of it apart. One of the things I would challenge you to do is spend some time on your own in John chapter 4, an incredible chapter, some incredible truths here. But as we get started today, just let me go ahead and tell you, Jesus, as he often did, is moving from city to city. In this story, he's going from Judea to Galilee. Um, God has directed him to do that. He goes through an area where the, some Samaritans live. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. He stops at a, in a city called Sychar, and when he gets there, he, it's the middle of the day. He's hot, he's tired, he's sitting by a well, and all of a sudden a lady approaches him. This lady has something that she's going to get water out of the well with, and so Jesus simply says to her, I'm thirsty, may I have a drink? That started an absolutely amazing conversation that we're going to be looking at today, but he was simply able to share with her the living water, give her hope, give her a, talk to her about a relationship with God. A lot of stuff happens in this chapter. And then what happens is he shares with this lady, she gets so excited, she goes and she brings some people to see Jesus and their lives are totally changed. Now I told you that's the 50,000 foot overview and it really is, but that'll just give you some idea what's happening in this passage. What I want us to do is take a few minutes and look at some specifics in this as it relates to just some tips to share in your faith. So let's dive in. Number one you'll see on your outline there um, is this, to start conversations with anybody. Start conversations with anybody. Let's look at how Jesus did this. Verse 7 of chapter 4, he says this, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Skipping down to verse 9, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? And what's important for us to understand, I don't have time to really develop this and talk about this, but Jews and Samaritans, and this goes back actually into the Old Testament, they hated each other. I mean, with a passion they hated each other. They didn't want paths to cross, they didn't talk to each other, they just stayed separated from each other. So what you've got to understand in this passage, when Jesus starts talking to a Samaritan, this is a big deal. This is not something that happens much at all. And then, to add insult to injury, he's not only talking to a Samaritan, he's talking to a woman. And Jews, they just didn't do that at this time, and especially to a Samaritan woman. And so this was really against all cultural practices that he would be doing this. But I want you to notice what he does. He starts a conversation with this woman, and he does it, I believe, with all of my heart, because God led him to do it. Didn't care what anybody else thought. This is what God had led him to do. And as I started thinking about that in my own life, and as I have you start thinking about this, what if we started praying before we left the house every day, and we just said, God, today I have no idea who I'm going to meet. I kind of know where I'm going, but you may lead me a different place. But would you help me today to see every person I encounter as just a way, as someone valuable to you, somebody's important to you, and somebody that I need to start a conversation with? What if we started looking at people a little bit differently, like Jesus, and didn't worry about any preconceived ideas about them? We just said, God, if you put them in front of me, I'm going to start a conversation with them. You know, one of the things I would challenge you is just to talk to people. 
Talk to people that you are in contact. Talk to people when you're out at just hanging out at community things. Talk to people if you go to the ballpark and you have a child that's playing a sport. Sit with some new parents. Get to know some new people. I thought about the whole idea of just at work. Maybe there's some people there that you don't know and you haven't met yet. Introduce yourself to them. But again, start that conversation with them. That neighbor next door that's lived there for five years that you've never talked to, take something to them this afternoon and introduce yourself to them. But one of the things I want to tell you, one of the easiest ways to share with somebody is just start a conversation with them and begin to build that relationship, which is exactly what Jesus did here. Then number two, adjust your life patterns to make conversations possible. So adjust your life patterns to make conversations possible. Verses 3 through 5, you're going to see how Jesus did this. Here's what his word says. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now you read that really quickly and you say, oh, that's nice. He was going from one place to the other. But we need to understand there's a whole lot more happening here than this. Because Judea... The quickest way to get to it is not the way they would go that I'm going to talk to you about in a minute, but there was a straight path to get from Judea up to Galilee. The problem was you had to go through the territory where the Samaritans lived. So oftentimes what, what Jews would do is they would go over to the west just a little bit, over in, or actually go to the east rather, they would go to Jericho, and they would go up into Galilee in the Jordan Valley. So very inconvenient and very out of the way. So the fact that Jesus was not doing that, he was going straight up to Sychar is a really big deal here. And he's adjusting his patterns because this is what God wants him to do. And no doubt he took a lot of persecution because of this route he was taking. But again, he knew that's what God was leading him to do, so that's what he did. Why would he do that? I think it's really simple. People matter to God, not a political system or political correctness, not a cultural correctness. People matter. And so Jesus was simply being obedient to God. And so maybe God's saying to you, hey, I need to change your pattern. Some, I need you to talk to people that you're not normally used to talking to, or maybe somebody that nobody else is reaching out to, but he's calling you to do that, and he's asking you to change your pattern. And one of the things we've got to be ready for in this is that oftentimes it's going to be inconvenient. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to going, and I have my agenda I'm trying to get taken care of, and I'm trying to get here, and I'm trying to get there. And the thoughts of slowing down to talk to people, then that kind of messes me up. I mean, i got things i got to do. And so for me, this is a big one because I'm thinking, this is going to be an inconvenience for me. But the reality is God has called me to share Jesus with the people that I, that I am in contact with and the people that I have a relationship with. But we need to be ready for it to be inconvenient to us. So let me ask you this question. This is what I'm dealing with quite honestly. How, how do we do this? How do we change that pattern? For me, one of the things recently that I've just really tried to do, I've got to get in shape. I've got to try to do more cardio and stuff. So the gym where I am, there's a guy there that, I mean, this, he is a machine. He gets on. Typically, he's on the treadmill before I get there. And when I leave the gym after doing my treadmill work and some weight work, he's still doing it. But for whatever reason, out of this entire gym, this one guy, God has said, and it's probably from the message today, he convicted me, but he said, Danny, I, that's the guy I want you to focus in on. So what I've got to do now is I've got to figure out, do I go to the gym earlier? Do I go to the gym later? How do I connect with this guy? But one of the things I realized, I've got to adjust my life pattern in order to connect with him. 
So maybe for you, you're around some people and you need to figure out, how do I adjust my pattern to start this relationship, start this conversation with them? Maybe some of you coffee drinkers, you need to change your location where you drink your coffee, or better yet, maybe you just need to speak to some other people that you see there all the time. That might be the better idea. But maybe, again, it's this whole adjusting your pattern. Maybe you need to shop at a different grocery store, sit with some different parents at a ball field. Um, just ask God, God, where do I need to adjust my life pattern to be about conversations? And where do I need to connect? Where do I need to start conversations with new people? And let me just say this to you real quickly. If you're not regularly talking to people who need Jesus, there's a good chance God wants to adjust your pattern, adjust where you do, where you go, and what you do. He doesn't want you to stay in your little protected bubble. There's people, believe it or not, that he wants to use you, and he wants to use me to reach. But the only way that happens is when we're willing to adjust our, our pattern and begin those conversations. All right, so number three, number one, start conversations with anybody. Number two, adjust your life patterns to make conversations possible. Number three, chat about every day. Chat about every day. Listen to verse seven, what happens in this verse. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw, to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. This was not a very complex conversation that Jesus begins with this woman. It's about an everyday happening. Jesus shows up at this well, he sits down, he's, he's thirsty. It's the middle of the day, the sun is bright, he's tired and weary. This lady comes up with a bucket to draw water, and he just simply says to her, may I have a drink? Pretty, pretty simple thing, there's no, nothing magical about it. Just chat about everyday things that are happening, and that's exactly what he did. He started with small talk, simple talk with her, and it led to something greater. I think it's really neat here, too. Again, keep in mind that Jews and Samaritans, now they were on a whole different spectrum, and they didn't get along or do well, but Jesus found something that they had in common. He needed water. She had a bucket to get the water and a way to get the water. And so many times today, we want to focus on the differences that we have with other people. We want to look at the things that we don't have in common. Rather than taking a step back thinking, God, help me see what I have in common with this person. Help me how to figure out, help me figure out how to build a bridge between them. And that's what Jesus does here. He's building a bridge, finds out something in common they have. He talks about everyday life. So what does that look like for us? As I thought about that, I thought about something as simple as asking somebody how their week was. And when they tell you their week is fine, then you push them a little bit more. Hey, what was so great about your week? What happened that, that's made your week as good as it is? Or what happened in your week this week that made it so tough? You know, we live in a society that everything is instant. So when you ask me about my week and I tell you it's fine, then boom, we both go on and we're fine with each other. But what would happen if you stopped somebody and you asked that question when they answered you, you pushed them a little bit more and you actually engaged them in a conversation? It's something that doesn't happen much, but most people want to share their story. They want to talk to you. They want somebody to listen to them, and this would be a great way to do that. So, hey, how was your week? I thought about things as simple as, hey, what are you reading? What are you eating that's good? What are you watching? Just some way to begin to chat about the everyday things that are happening in life. And the cool thing is here, you can start very simple, very basic, and just see where the conversation goes. Don't push it. Don't rush it. Just Start that conversation. Begin chatting with someone and see what God does because I think we'll be amazed when we slow down and just invest in somebody else and listen to somebody else. 
So I think that's really important. And again, just be patient as you do this. Don't feel like that today you have that starting conversation and next week you're giving them a full-blown gospel presentation. It may happen that way, but it may take a long time of these kind of chats. So chat every day about life. Then number four, ask questions. Ask questions. Look at verse 16 for a minute, and you're going to think I've lost my mind because the verse says this, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And you're sitting there thinking, Danny, that's not a question. The point I want you to get here is that for us, typically, we find out about someone's heart by asking them questions. Now, God had revealed to Jesus, so he didn't have to ask the question, that this was going to be a conversation starter. Because if you read a little bit further, what you'll find out is when Jesus says that to her, the woman has to respond to him. And what does she respond to him? But he ends, she ends up having to just confess to the fact that she's had five husbands, and actually the guy that she's with now, not married to, is a sixth guy that's in her life. So Jesus is beginning to connect with this lady and beginning to reveal to her what you're looking for, you're not getting in these relationships. There's something more than that. We're going to break that down in just a minute. But the important thing is, it's through questioning people that we begin to understand their heart and who they are. If I sat down with you and you sat down with me for very long at all, we started talking, there's a good chance that your family would come up pretty quickly. There's also a good chance that maybe your values would start showing up as we, as we talk. Maybe some struggles that you faced would come up. The point is, when we talk to people and we ask questions and we have time for them, we can learn some pretty important things about people that then God's able to use and God's able to use our story to speak to them. So this is really important that we learn how to ask questions and that we take the time to do that. And one of the things I want to tell you with this is when you ask questions, let the other person answer. Okay, don't answer for them and don't try to lead them down some certain way to some certain answer. Kind of that um, switch and bait technique. When you ask them, be quiet and just listen to what they're telling you. Listen to what's in their heart and don't try to guide that conversation from there. Another thing is, you can pray about that. God, what is it I need to ask this person? What is it that's going to help our heart connect? And what is it that's going to help me connect their heart to you? So go into this prayerfully, asking God, how do I do that? What are those questions I need to ask? Plan, about, plan this conversation, pray about this conversation, and allow God to use it strategically in their life. And then the other thing I would say here is, just listen for how the gospel intersects their life, that person's life. As you ask those questions, and they start sharing, and they start pouring out their life to you, begin to just listen for how their life is intersecting the gospel and how you can help them bridge that gap and, and just to understand God's there for them. God will meet them where they are. God can help them through whatever they're facing, whatever they're dealing, and begin to be that person that can bridge that gap for them. But what we need to understand is, is that other person matters tremendously to God and he wants a relationship with them and those questions we ask can begin to start bridge that gap and make that happen. Let me go on to the fifth tip here that I would give to you today, and that's this. Listen to the questions and then answer the question behind the question. That can be a little confusing there. Listen to that. Listen to the question and then answer the question behind the question. What am I talking about? Let's look at these verses. Verses 19 and 20, God's Word says this. He says, the, the, the woman says this. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? 
Now what's happening here is on the surface it looks like this lady's coming forward and that she's asking the simple question of where does true worship take place? Where the Jews do it or where we do it? But keep in mind, Jesus has been engaged with this lady for, for him for not a very long time, but in doing this he's begun to figure out her story a little bit. So what he's understand, what she's saying to him, he's listening very intently to, and he's understanding there's something more behind what she's asking than a place to go worship. This lady's hungry for a relationship that no man has been able to fill, and guys, that no woman's going to be able to fill. This is a hole that only God can fill, that place of meaning, of hope, of purpose, of direction. And that's what this lady's crying out to him. And, and you'll see that as he answers the question. And he talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth and really connecting with him. It's about a relationship. And so that's what he's telling her here. He's listening closely and realizes the question's really not about where you worship. It's deeper than that, and it's about a relationship with him. But that only comes because he was listening to her question and realizing there was something behind that question that was going on. And that is so important for us. And so as you think about that, one of the things I would challenge you is don't argue with people when you're building a relationship with them and talking with them. Listen for the very core of what they may be telling you, much like Jesus did. I thought about this for a minute. If somebody comes to you, and you're beginning to build a relationship, and, and they start talking to you about a sin or maybe a lifestyle they're living in that they're struggling with, could it just be that they're not only looking maybe for a biblical understanding of that, which they may, but maybe they're coming to you because nobody else listens to them. They can't go to anybody else. They feel judged. They feel looked down on. And could it be they're coming and asking you about that to see how you're going to receive them, maybe to see how your church is going to receive them. And let me just say this to you real quickly. If that's you today and you've come in this door wondering how we're going to receive you because of things that are going on in your life, can I tell you this? Welcome aboard. Because you're at a broken church with a lot of broken people. And I'll just tell you this. If you come in here and you want to, put this front up that you've got all of your life together and that you are this really super holy person, you'll find out very quick Cedar Creek is probably not where you want to be in church because this is a place that broken people come and all of us have a next step and we're all trying to help each other take that next step. I was reminded of this last Friday. I had a home group leader call me thrilled to death and I started talking to him and what I found out is their group ended up during prayer time splitting off guys and girls. The guys started praying together, and as they started praying, some things started coming out. And before long, this group of guys were really beginning raw with each other, and they were sharing some things they were really, really struggling with. And after that very first night, this home group leader felt like he was already seeing God begin to do some amazing things in this group because people were being real. People were being authentic with each other. So I just want to tell you, that's what we're about here. We would love for you to be a part of who we are. We'd love for you to come and be a part of this incredible church as we move forward and take that next step in our faith journey. But just want you to know today, that's who we're about, is broken people and all taking that next step toward Jesus. So if that's you today, take a deep breath, and we are so pumped up that you are here today. So that's a little side note. I won't charge anything for that. But as we're listening for questions, behind the question, first of all, don't argue. Get to the very core of it. Then another thing is we need to listen to someone's heart, not just their words. We need to listen deeply. We don't need to be thinking about, hey, what's my next statement? How am I going to respond to this? Be quiet and just listen to their heart. And then the other thing is just some questions. When they share with you the question they have, 
just asking them, why are you asking me that question? Why is that bothering you? Why are you struggling with that? Or to say to them, you know what, that's a fantastic question. What do you think about that? What do you think about that thing you're struggling with? What do you think about that area you're having a problem with? Again, as we ask questions, we find out where their heart is, and we find out what's behind that question. Then number six you'll see there is share Jesus. And this is the one that I want to talk a little bit more about, the whole story part and our story and how it fits into this. But it's to share Jesus. Verses 26 through 29, listen to what God's Word says. He says this, Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then, uh, Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask him, what do you want from her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left with her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village to see him. This is so cool to me. Jesus simply shares with her at the right time that he's the Messiah. He's the one that she's been looking for. He's the Savior. He is the one who basically that word means that he's the I am. He's the I am of life. She's come to the right spot for what she's looking for. And so he reveals that to her because he knew what she was searching for. He'd been in a relationship with her and had been talking to her and knew that's what she was hungering for more than anything else. So he simply says to her, I am. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you're looking for. And what I want to ask you this morning is, how is Jesus good news for the people that you encounter? How is he good news for that person you're going to talk to today, later this afternoon, or tomorrow at work, or or the person you talked to yesterday? How is he good news for that person? And then I also want to challenge you today to understand that God's given you a story that may speak to them right where they are might speak to that person right where they are if you're willing to share and willing to to let them know your story. As I think about that whole idea of a story for just a minute, um, I just want to share this with you. Your story is the greatest thing, the greatest tool God has ever given to you, okay? Because it's how he's worked in you, and God will use your story to speak to other people. So I want to challenge you never to minimize your story. Some of you have these stories, that incredible stories about how God took you out of a a horrible lifestyle and you were doing bad things and you were heading in a bad direction and he saved you. Others of you are over here and you think, my story's not near that glamorous. I felt like I was a pretty good person and by society standards I was, but you know what? I don't have the drugs and I don't have the alcohol. I'm not sleeping around with people. I don't have this glamorous testimony. What I'm telling you is the story God has given you, the story of how he came in and changed your life is the greatest story that you'll ever share. And I promise you, God will put you crossing the paths of someone else that needs to hear your story, even though it may be totally different from theirs. If you're open and willing, I promise you, he will put you in a place to share your story with somebody else. And I'll tell you this, your story is going to be most effective when several things happen. First of all, when you're in a relationship. So listen to me, the people you're in a relationship now with, the people you're going to be in a relationship in the future with, that's where your greatest story is going to be told, with them, because you care about each other. There's a relationship there. You've earned a right to be heard. So that's going to be key is to understand your story's best told in a relationship. It's also we need to understand you're not in a hurry with your story. You share it when God leads you to share it. Some people, it may be much sooner than other people, but only share it as he leads you to do that because he's working on that person's heart. And you don't need to jump the gun. You need to let God do his work 
with, this, with your story in their life. And when it, the timing is right, he'll have you do that. So don't get in a rush. And then the other thing is, be willing to share your story. Again, some of us are scared to do it. Some of us feel like our story's not great enough. But what I would challenge you to do is share your story. Get in the habit of telling people how God's made a difference in your life. Now, what does that look like practically? And then I'm going to be done. Just a few thoughts that I had for some of us. And as I think about some things that have happened in my own life, you know, as you, across, as you cross people's paths that are struggling, and they're sharing with you, pouring out with you, hey, this is something I'm, I'm really going through and I'm having a hard time with. Um, just little things that we're able to say to them. Hey, I, I understand your heart's breaking right now. I understand the struggle that you're going through right now. And while my story's a little bit different than yours, um, I, there's some similarities in our story. And, and I'd love to take a minute and just share with you how I dealt with that whenever I was facing it. Opens up a great door for you to begin to share your story. Or maybe you find somebody that's in crisis. I know a lot of times when I do hospital visits, I try to watch for this, especially if I'm in the waiting room of the ER or even when somebody's having surgery. And I see a family that just looks really distraught and they're struggling. And just to be able to go over to them and, and just say, I know that you don't know me at all, but I would just love to take a moment and pray for your family if that would be all right. And you say, that's awkward, but I've never had a family, never had a family turn me down and offer to do that. And I'm a total stranger. So sometimes it could be when you're in that relationship with somebody and they're sharing their heartbreaks with you, just offering to pray with them opens that door. I think about somebody that needs wisdom. And heaven only knows we're around people all the time that need that. And to be able to say to them as they're sharing, hey, can I tell you where I get a lot of wisdom from and where I get a lot of understanding from? And it just comes from God's Word. And, and here's some verses that God has shared with me. Or maybe you're able to say to them, you know, hey, you just start reading God's Word for yourself. But I'm telling you, there's wisdom here. And, and I've learned that this way. And God showed me this this way. But it's just finding those little things in life that we're able to begin a spiritual conversation. And what I would say to you as I wrap up is this, that you know, in everyday simple things, God can open a door for sharing if we're just available. I want you to watch a video of somebody. This is a Cedar Creeker who um, had no idea um, what my message was about, and I had him come in last week and shoot a video for us. And I was amazed as he shared what he's about to share with you, how it fits so well in today's message. If somebody just made their self available, they started a conversation, God is, is at work right now, and it's going to be amazing to see what happens as this story plays out. So I'm going to be quiet and let you watch this video for a moment. My name's Kevin Maloney. Um, my wife and I joined Cedar Creek uh, the end of last year and um, I think my story starts there um, you know we decided to join um, decided to get involved which is something I was never going to do um, started going to home group volunteered at the church um, and really strengthened my relationship with Christ um, which then led me gave me the confidence to you know try to reach out to some friends of mine some buddies of mine that um, I was unaware whether or not they were Christians. Um, I've had some good times with them in the past, <clears throat> but it certainly wasn't at church. Um, but the point was to try to start um, a relationship with them uh, based on my experiences and what this church and what um, God had done in, in my life in the last couple months. So um, in November, I took a buddy of mine deer hunting who had never been deer hunting before. Um, I bought him a Bible and wrote in the Bible and was just praying that uh, 
that God would give me the words, ultimately. Um, we went, we actually killed a, a buck um, while we were hunting. And afterwards, I was able to give him the Bible and um, didn't really get into much. I just told him that I would be texting him um, periodically to, to kind of lead him with some of the things that we were doing in church um, and just kind of challenged him, look, man, um, read these little things, let's talk about it. And um, so we used that and it kind of started building his interest in, um, in Christianity and Jesus and what it means um, to, to live a life um, with Jesus at your core. Um, and he'd been able to see my change, uh, which is really all I had to rely on, um, which is look at, you know, all I can tell you is what God's done in my life, in my wife's life. Um, and so, you know, recently, last week, um, I decided the basketball games were on, you know, let's, let's go get some dinner. Uh, we went and had some chicken wings and watched the basketball game. Um, and uh, rehashing the Daniel series and going through, um, you know, some of the, the things that Philip had, had talked about the last six weeks, um, I was able to use at least what Philip had taught me uh, through the sermons to try to, to teach this guy. Um, and I think it was the realiz realization that, that hit me um, after the home groups and after really becoming involved in the church. There is there is no test you have to take. There is no degree you have to have um, in order to go and share your story and share the story of Jesus, share the story of love and of grace. Um, and when it hit me that I've got my issues, I've certainly got my struggles, um, but we all do. And I can go share my story just like anyone else can, like Danny and Philip can. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's what we're called to do. So I'm not Billy Graham uh, by any means, but um, do what you can. There's an um, aggravating commercial on HGTV right now. Uh, it's the knockoff Chip and Joanna uh, show that the girl gets on and she just says, just get up and do it. Um, it's kind of the mentality, though, which is just get up, live your life, and try to to reach out as best you can um, to people that you know or don't know, but you gotta do it, get up and do it.